welcome to the 265th episode of the So Video Games Podcast, where we talk about any game at all, including new stuff, old stuff, and anything in between. If we are playing it, we'll be talking about it. Today, we are recording on December 29th, 2021. My name is Brad Galloway. I am the editor of GameCritics.com. And 50% of this year's show with me is the man who's getting to ring in the new year, Carlos Rodella. Yeah, it is almost time for a new year. So close. I wish I could say I was excited, but I'm not. Well, I am. That's that's what we do on this podcast. Pessimism and optimism. <laughs> um, I'll just say this. I'm excited because, I don't know, there could be new... Uh, positive things that happen with, well, for me specifically, work and jobs. Also, uh, new video games. There's so many new video games coming out next uh, year, including Elden Ring, which you should be very excited about. Yeah, me and the wife are going to play that for sure. Yeah, and I have a bunch of games on my list that I'm excited for. And, you know, things in the world, without mentioning them, could get better. So I'm going to be optimistic right now. Man, let's hope. All right, I'm not going to say anything about that except for one thing. I'm going to say just one thing, and we're going to move on. I'm going to say that next year, our midterm elections, and it's a very, very crucial year for midterm elections. If you're listening to the show, I can almost guarantee that you feel the same way about the world that Carlos and I do, and I would strongly recommend everybody listening to the show. Get out and vote when the time comes. Be active. Make your voice heard. It's very, very, very important. And if that happens, I will be very glad, and I think that it will be a good year next year. So we'll see. See, there you go. All right, let's get off this topic before I start crying. Uh, let's see, folks. Carlos and I share a virtual living space split down the middle with a strip of duct tape. On my side of the house, literally fuck all nothing. Oh, no, no, I got I got like, <gasps> one thing, two things. I, like in the corner. In I didn't the corner. see it over there. It's a real small yeah. in the corner. Carlos, what do you got on your side? Well, first off, thank you for everybody listening to the Game of the Year uh, podcast. Yeah. Uh, and all the positive comments and also people saying things like, your lists were totally different, and that's cool because we found new games from it. So thank you for that. Um, and also, uh, I was just kind of going through YouTube and found a Skyrim documentary, a little like mini doc, uh, but it was actually done by Jonah Loeb, L-O-B-E, who is an artist and designer on Skyrim. And what he did was he actually got together a bunch of the people who worked on the game and like they did a bunch of Skype calls and Zoom calls and he put together a mini doc of them talking about memories of working on the game. Is this like an unofficial like bootleg sort of a Bethesda did not sign off on this sort of a thing? Yeah, it's it's not bootleg in any way because, you know, I think they got approval. It's that they work. Oh, there. OK. OK. Yeah. I'm just like, oh, I thought you were going to say, like, go watch it before Bethesda, like, takes it down or something. Oh, like that. I hope they don't. No, no, no. Okay. And also, he, uh, I kind of messaged him, uh, Jonah, and he said they're going to do more different types of uh, videos and, and, like, mini docs and stuff like that on his channel. So everybody check it out. Uh, just look up for Jonah L-O-B-E on YouTube. And then the mini Skyrim doc is pretty rad. And also, I just love, there was one quick story I wanted to share from it. Um, yeah. You know how like game designers and developers and artists will all try to like sneak in different things. Uh, and this is kind of like what I love about these kind of doc series is that one guy was just like, I decided to just put ants in the game one day and see if anyone noticed. Like ants, like little insect ants? Yeah. And he like just started putting them and propagate them on little rocks and stuff. And what's cool about that is like, you know, us as playing video games people, which is a term. Uh <laughs> When you walk when you walk into an RPG and you see things like small details like that, you know, it makes you think like, oh, maybe there's like other insects, you know, and this world really feels more alive than I thought. Right. Um, and I remember seeing those ants when I played Skyrim. And then the other story that I thought was interesting is 
someone said like, well, let's make like bees and like insects like that, like fly around. And so they made one bee, but it had like no collision detection or like the collision detection was like nothing can, you know, hit it and it will just be immovable basically. Yeah. So they're doing the cutscene, you know, that famous cutscene where the yeah, in the I cart. Yeah, I heard about this. Yeah, yeah. the bee kind of like completely fucked it up. Right? <laughs> yeah, basically the cart hit the bee and then the cart went to the sky. Like it just went to the moon. <laughs> um, that's the kind of stories you hear in this documentary. Go check it out. And I just love those kind of, you know, vids. Game design is fucking wild, man. It is, and I love it so much. So crazy. All right, um, what else you got? One other thing, or maybe a couple other things. One, uh, another YouTube channel what culture gaming have i ever mentioned that one before i don't think so it doesn't sound familiar okay uh i just uh i want to give more and more shout outs to these and i know our listeners want more places to find out about video game stuff um they just did a video on secret areas in games okay uh, which is always fun because say you have a game that you beat and you thought you saw everything you can go back and find some secret areas one let's see if you know about in dark souls there's a world called the painted world Oh, sure. I know about that. Oh, okay. That's old hat then. Uh, Uh, Yeah. If you're a Dark Souls player, you know about that for sure. Okay. And then the one I didn't know about is in Just Cause 2, one of my favorite games. Uh, There's uh, an island that you can go find, and it's the full, like, island from Lost. Oh, you know, I heard about that, but I never saw it. But that is a neat secret, though. That's pretty cool. They do, like, the hatch. There's, like, um, spooky stuff, like smoke monster and stuff. So I need to go, like, go back and download that, you know? It's in oh, my funny, PlayStation yes. library. I was uh, just going to say, God, where would you even download it? I forget what even system it's on. It's been oh, like that's so right. Two might be. I know I have three and four, I think, on my download. Is it even downloadable anywhere? PC, maybe, I'm sure. But mm, Okay, well, maybe not. Um, and then I was just saying that I might go back to Miles Morales because I didn't finish that. I started it. Uh-huh. Um, but people said that because it's uh, they changed the whole kind of city into the snow version of the city. Oh, okay. That it feels like Christmas and the holidays and New Year's, and it feels like a different kind of Spider-Man game. So I guess I'd forgotten that it was snowy there. Oh, that that's cool. You know, I keep meaning to try that. I I played the original, well, not the original version, but you know, the, the Spider-Man that came right before Miles Morales, and it, it was okay, but like so much combat, and there was so much like stuff to pick up. Just like it yeah. felt really kind of grindy, like in a not good way. And I wanted to crit path, and it just was very difficult to crit path. Um, so I, I bounced, but people were saying that Miles Morales um, is a much more compact experience, which is really what I was looking for. And I love Miles anyway. I mean, Into the Spider-Verse is like one of my top favorite movies of the last couple, I mean, decades probably. Yeah. And uh, I mean, he's a great character and just seeing what they were going to do with it on top of having the whole sign language uh, element in that uh, one of my friends was the sign language coach for that game. Oh, and- Yeah. And then seeing those people do the ASL and that was pretty cool. So I would like to see that firsthand. I got to I got to make some time for it. Make some time for it because also over the you know there's the holidays and stuff. It's still basically like that time. Um, so I might jump into it because yeah, I, same way. I don't want all the collectathon of Spider Man. Yeah, yeah, it's a drag, um, but this is like you know a pretty dedicated story to him. So uh, and the last thing I have is well I lied two mini things. One, Vegas Tales is a new FMV game that just launched. Oh, my God, dude. I just saw that on the store. Yeah. And I cringed so fucking hard. Man. I know. Oh I God. believe me. I know it's cringe, but I always have to be, I feel obligated to mess Oh, dude. I cringed it. so hard. I called my family members over to see how bad I was cringing. That's how bad it was. <laughs> so we're not going to play it. Oh, my God. So, like, it has that guy, um, the actor. I forget what his name is. It's the guy who played the the Vulcan on Star Trek. His name's like Tim something something. I forget. 
Mm. Um, but I, I, he was like the first picture when you look at the screenshots and I'm like, Oh, it's that guy. I'm like, Oh man, like, Oh, I feel bad for you because it looks like you're filming this on someone's phone in someone's living room. And it looks like so low rent and embarrassing. I'm like, Oh man, I hope this guy's not hurting for work. Cause I feel bad for him. Well, he might be. It's just I, what it looks like it. It looks like it from this, yeah. from this context. But I, I was like, no, geez, this looks terrible. It looks I, awful. I just had to bring it up because it's, you know, anything FMV we have to mention on the show. Oh, um, it looks bad. It looks bad, bad. It looks bad. And then I might go back tonight to Neo, The World Ends With You, um, because I heard a bunch of reviews about it in this kind of end of the year, uh, you know, wrap up stuff. And Is that the right name of that game? That's not the right name. Neo, the world ends with you. Yes, it is. I'm looking at it on my PlayStation. Is it? Oh, is it NEO? Yeah, NEO. Okay. NEO. Uh, okay. Okay. Because I was like, I know. Okay. Gotcha. You're typing they it renamed in. It's, it. it's on my PlayStation. Yeah. I'm looking at they it. They renamed it. Okay. Because I was thinking you were, I thought you were combining like NEO as in the, 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 the Dark Souls clone and the world ends with you. And I didn't realize they had renamed it. Okay. That was. Oh, yeah. Stuff. Well, no, they didn't rename it. This is another game. It's a new game. Oh, is it a new game, not a remake? Yeah. Oh, okay. So it uses some of the same ideas, which not not saying spoilers because I know a little bit of the mystery of what that game really is. Um, so it uses some of the same kind of concepts from the first game. Okay. And there is an anime too, by the way. And so when I was when I first bought it, I was watching the anime. Oh, so there's always an anime. There's always there's always, always an anime. anime. So anyways, uh, it, just enough people said like, "Hey, it's just like really fun, and it's actually like a 40, 50 hour RPG." So. You know me and RPGs, my chimp. Man, I, I, 40, 50 hours, I just I shut down for a moment there. I just blacked out. I was like, <laughs> I noped out so hard. I had to give you smelling salts. <laughs> yes, I'm being revived right now in real time. Well, anyways, oh, okay, that's all I got. What's your two little things? Nothing major. I was just going to say, uh, you know, the wife and I have been kind of um, getting our little, our grown up quality time at night because, you know, it's COVID. Everybody's at home. My son is 12 and he's kind of doing the 12 year old, just about a teenager thing. And so, you know, we like to spend some time together just on the couch and hang out and just have some silence in the house and husband wife time. And uh, we watch some shows that we probably wouldn't watch with him around. Um, and one of those, I think I tweeted a bunch about it last week. Uh, Pen 15. I know you're a fan of this one, right? Yeah, I, I think I mentioned it on the show a while ago. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We just we just actually just finished it. It's like basically like two two seasons or maybe like two point two five seasons or something. It got kind of messed up with covid and i think the stars actually both got pregnant during the filming and they had to take a pause or whatever but and did you see the cartoon in between yeah yeah, yeah. we watched the cartoon in the middle so i mean for people that don't know this is a it's kind of a weird coming of age exploration of what it's like to be in junior high but the two stars are are both women i mean they're like in their i don't know 30s or something but they dress up and act as though they are 13 in the show so it, it's kind of a weird thing at first where Everybody else in the show is like literally actually 13, 14 years old, but the two main stars are 30, but they're dressed up like teens and they got like backpacks and they have braces and it's, it's kind of a weird mental disconnect. But like, once you get into it, you kind of forget that they're actually that old and you kind of just roll with it. And it's a really wonderful show. Um, you know, it's, it mirrors so many elements that I can remember from my own childhood. I know my wife uh, felt the same as well, where all these traumatic moments and embarrassing moments and awkward moments. And, you know, those, those events may not mirror exactly um, what my life was like because I was never a 13 year old teenage girl. Um, but a lot of that awkwardness or the, the being unsure or not knowing how life is going to go, like those kind of moments I think really rang true. And I think will be pretty universal yeah. for a lot of people who, who grew up in the, you know, maybe the nineties or the OOs or whatever. Um, so I great show. I mean, really heartfelt, 
really brutal in some episodes, but also like really sincere and genuine. So we finished that. And like I said, it's only like two seasons. It's a pretty quick watch, especially if you don't have a lot of stuff going on and you can just really like dive into it. Um, so definitely a thumbs up on pen 15 for sure. And I yeah. know you're a fan. Yeah, I'm a big fan. And I would say, uh, people don't have much time this, you know, and I mean, it's weird. You have a lot of time cause you're home, but people don't have a lot of time. So yeah. I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying, but I would suggest, uh, the first season and the cartoon and that's it because I, I watched second season too, but it just didn't have the same oomph. And I don't know if it's because they, you know, the schedule was definitely different, but I just think the stories they told and the way they told it and the arc, it flew, you know, just perfectly together. Uh, I just think season one was like a masterpiece. I um, mean, I, I agree. I would disagree though, because I feel like season two is when it took a turn. Whereas season one was like, I mean, a lot of comedy, a lot of funny moments, a lot of like exploration, but I feel like when they got into season two, it was definitely about like, Hey, we're kind of getting older. Hey, we're getting these issues that are not just so easily brushed off. I mean, there is definitely like a lot more darkness and a lot yeah. more like serious stuff, but I felt like it was really valuable and really good in a di- and like in a different way. Like it's kind of like a, a def- definite shift in the tone of the show. Right, right, right. It's definitely different. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I enjoyed that first uh, version or first shift, but that being said, yeah, I love it and I love them and I've seen them on talk shows talking about it and yeah, you get over it pretty quickly. It's, it's crazy. It's, it's, they, they morph into these characters. It reminds me by the way, a little bit of big mouth, which I'm not sure if you're a fan of, but it's on Netflix. Oh man. I, you know, dude, I love uh, Nick Kroll. I love the Kroll show. Oh my God. One of my favorite. The Kroll show is one of the best shows ever. Oh my God. Yeah. So fucking funny. I, in fact, I keep meaning to rewatch it because uh, my wife oh. and I went through the whole thing. I, I don't know where it is. There's a bunch on YouTube, but there's, remember, we've talked about, it, I think, on the show actually. Yeah. But there's so many sketches that I love about it. I think it's on it. iTunes or something. We bought the, like all the seasons and like the Kroll show is fucking brilliant. Um, We did watch a couple episodes of Big Mouth and man, it's, it's pretty out there. Like, I don't know that we were ready for it in the right frame of mind because uh, for people that don't know, it's on Netflix. It's a cartoon, again, about growing up teenage, uh, preteen or preteen or teen, tween years, whatever. But man, it's it's really graphic, like shockingly yeah. graphic in a lot of ways. And I think my wife and I were, we had our hair blown off a little bit. And I think we kind of put a pause on it for a moment. It's hardcore. And what's weird is it's a mixture of, you know, kind of like Simpsons was, but not, but it's much more rough. Um, and you know, vulgar, but like the fact that like adults can watch it, like I can watch it and be like, Oh, remember back to when I was going through those things when I was, you know, a kid. And then also like laugh at the really intense stuff. Yeah. But that's yeah. what it is tricky because like if a younger person's listening or watching, it's like, it's, it's definitely like the stuff they're going through for sure. Yeah. Um, but there's no way, dude, I would never let my son watch that. It's I was so like, intense shit. though. Yeah. Yes. And by the way, the Christmas special. I don't know, man. The Christmas special. Should I say this? Nah, you better. You better say. Okay, it. let's save it. It's the Christmas special is pretty freaking intense. That's all I got to say. And I was yeah. like, and I'm an adult, so <laughs> yeah, exactly. All the I'm pro- saying is, oh, go ahead. No, no, I was just gonna say, Big Mouth is a lot, dude. Even for me, and I feel like my, I am not faint of heart. I am not a prude, and even for me, Big Mouth was a little bit too much. Yeah. yeah, and I just think that like it's funny because there is some same energy though of like, oh yeah, oh yeah, you know, oh, yeah. in Pen Fifteen, like we're going through these really awkward things that you know, whatever. Anywho, what's your other thing? Uh, the only other thing, uh, just kind of along the same vein. So we we wrapped Pen Fifteen, and we you know we're like, oh man, that was great. I don't know, what we want to watch next. We kind of go back and forth between comedies and horror series, but neither one of us is feeling horror. We were like, oh, I feel like we want to laugh some more. Especially because that second season of Pen15 got a little dark. So we yeah. wanted to lighten it up a little bit. So we started watching, what is it, The Last Man on Earth? 
uh, oh starring goodness. Will Forte. Have you seen that? Yeah, it's you're late to the party on a couple of these shows, but I'm glad you're get, you're here. And we'll at the see. Party. Okay, so sidebar, sidebar. That's actually a thing that my wife and I have been discussing because modern life, dude. I mean, I actually my preferred way to watch shows these days is to wait until they're over because I cannot stand waiting for the next episode. Like the shit that Disney's doing, like week by week for each episode, drives me up the fucking wall. Or like you watch the um the best you know best season of a show and then it's like oh taking a break for the season gonna do some more next year and it's like that drives me crazy I mean yeah one of my favorite shows of all time is iZombie you ever seen iZombie yep yeah oh my god I loved iZombie my wife and I were huge fans when we got into it they had only made I think like four seasons and I think ultimately I think there's five total but we watched we kind of binged them one through four and then we hit the pause where we got caught up and they're like oh yeah we're gonna be coming back next season and we just it just like killed the momentum. We came back to it. We forgot what we had watched. And it was like we had already watched like 10 other shows in between that. And it's just so we were like, fuck it. We're going to like watch it from like episode one again and just get back into it, which is what we're doing now. Yeah. But I don't I don't want to watch any show now until it's done. Like, give me the whole thing. And I just want to like I know I'm sure that like advertisers and producers are screaming like you got to watch the show. You got to support the show. Like, I get it. But at the same time, my brain can't handle this whole like waiting for more shit. Like I, I think just modern times has ruined me. So well, yeah. And also like it's, it's case by case because some, you know, even HBO shows would be like, Oh, here's a, the whole season, you know? Yeah. So yeah, it, yeah. It, it's, it's show by show. Yeah. But for me, man, marathon is like the only way I can even watch TV anymore because I, I need to watch it at my pace, not at any other pace. Otherwise I just I get crazy. So yeah. anyway, that's kind of why we waited to watch last man on earth. I don't know when it wrapped up, but like we, we checked it. I'm like, Oh, is it over? And they're like, it's over. It's all done. I'm like, okay, perfect. Now we're going to jump in. If I like it, I can like watch it all the way through as many episodes per night as I want. And we don't have to wait for like them to make more or anything. So we got through the first, maybe like three or four episodes. And I feel like it's really funny in a lot of ways. And I'm not, I'm not sure if we're going to click with it all the way, because I feel like there's a little bit of potential for it to go a little bit sour. Um, There's a lot of like, I don't even know how you can say it. like a little like we're, we're just about to the part where physical appearance is going to start playing a role in the next episode. And there's been a little bit of it in the show so far because the main character Will for Forte. haven't seen it. Will Forte. Um, it hasn't been explained yet. And don't spoil it or anything, um, you know, because we're just starting it. But he ends up being literally the last man on Earth that we know about. So he's got like the entire United States for himself. And he just kind of goes Looney Tunes. He's like he has a swimming pool full of tequila and he steals paintings from a museum and he's bowling with cars and like whatever. And um, he says like all this, this giant like pile of pornography and he's just like obsessed with it and everything. And then this lady shows up and it's like all of a sudden like appearance starts being like, oh, maybe she's ugly. Maybe I don't like her and stuff. And I don't know, like it may be funny. We're going to give it a couple more episodes, but like I don't like that kind of humor where it all becomes about that. Right. It's not. I okay, can just good, do that. I give you that for you. It's not. Thank you. That yes. Okay, yeah. good, good. Because I was like, we were laughing. But then once it started being about like superficial appearance, we started to cool off on it a little bit. And I'm like, I'm not here for like ugly girl jokes. I want this to be like more meta and funny than that. So. So let me just give you a quick synopsis because I watched, okay. I think, all sure. of it except the last season. Okay. Um, similar to, you know, I'm a I kind of a I don't know if it's snob, but kind of sewer at least of, of content. And I watch everything. So um, that doesn't mean. And everybody's subjective, you know, their sure, opinion. Sure. But sure. I do kind of have an idea of what makes a show good and kind of like connects with people. So I think the first two seasons of that show are pretty damn amazing. Okay. And you're like not even close to the beginning of the show. It's almost like a video game. You haven't even like like started. I haven't the got credits. the good part yet. Yeah. yeah okay. The gotcha. credit or not the credits. The the title card hasn't come up yet. 
Okay. Okay. Makes sense. Makes so sense. come back to me like on another episode, and this now we'll have this be a recurring thing or something. But um, at some point, you understand what the show is, and it's not even what it is right now. Believe it or not. Okay. And it's great, and I fucking love it. And I think I, I think two seasons of it were perfect. And okay. I think how many seasons are there? Four or I think five? I think there's five total. Yeah. yeah, I think that's too much. So oh, okay. that's unfortunate, but at the same time, I means you, you still can have a great time. But I just feel like I'd recommend you watch a few, couple seasons, and then see how you feel. All right. Well, we were down. We were down with it until it started getting a little weird. And then if you say it, it you know, pulls out of the nosedive. Cool. We're, we're gonna hang with it. We'll watch some more tonight. But anyway, I will give you a further report as we see more episodes. But that's all I got on my side. Any last little bits? Are you good? Well, just because we're talking about shows, and maybe we're gonna, yeah. gonna yeah. do this every week. I mean, I. I have too many to talk about, and we have to get to games, but I am finishing up the second season of Witcher. Um, oh, God. And I know you don't like it, right? Oh, I really disliked it. Wow, I super right. disliked it. And you and you finished it, or you didn't finish it. I did. It. No, you, we did. We did okay. finish it, yes. Yeah. But you also watched the first season, obviously. And I loved the first yeah, season. Yeah. So I think I'm with you now, finally, because I did watch the first episode, and I heard your tweet and saying like you didn't like it. And I was—I had only seen like the first episode of the second season, and I liked that episode a lot, actually. That was a great episode. That yeah. is one of the best episodes of the second season. And then you're right; it, it does feel like it's meandering, and I think it a lot of it comes down to production uh, when they were shooting it. I don't know, or also just showrunners and writing, but it does feel a little lost. And at some point, with this is a miniature spoiler, but you've already seen it, and the listeners—it's such a small spoiler. But um, uh, what's her butt? Um, oh my goodness. Siri or Yennefer? Yennefer uh, does some crazy thing where she like lets that one guy go. Oh yeah! And I was like, "That's it! That's it!" That was actually my defining like noping out almost yeah. because I was like, "That doesn't even have any logic to doesn't anything make sense that's going on in any way, shape, or form." Yeah, yeah. and that's such a specific detail, but that really was like made me mad. The other thing I'm really quickly watching, which we'll talk about later, is Station Eleven, which is messed up that I'm watching it. Because it's about a pandemic, but Dude, it's, every fucking show is about a pandemic. These I know, days, I know. Dude. Like seriously, and it's like you know when you go through a thing, people write about it and they make shows about it and stuff. So some of times it's therapeutic, and sometimes it's too soon. But yeah. what this one does really well is that it's based on a book, and the book and the show one is directed by one of the guys uh, who directed uh, Atlanta. I forget his name. It's gonna okay. bother me. Can you look up the Atlanta? Yeah, director? look it up. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so it's directed beautifully. It's acted beautifully, and they jump back and forth between like Lost in the from the past and to the future. And the future is super, super, super forward past the pandemic, right? It's like the world is like Last of Us style, right? And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And people are like traveling. There's a traveling circus, and they do Shakespeare, and it's all about like this new world which is really interesting and, and simple and no technology but then they'll jump back to when you know this epic pandemic that was actually worse than ours mm -hmm. um you know wiped out a lot of people and so it's I, it's enough that i can handle it because they jump back and forth and i do like the positivity because it actually has positivity uh which it's not a downer of a movie or show so it's really interesting because the, the yeah it's really interesting I, I will check it out. I saw it, but like, like uh, I just said, like it feels like every show that I'm watching is literally about a pandemic, and I'm like, wow, we're getting kind of like overloaded on 
I mean, I, all I got to do is look outside my window. But anyway, the director of this was Hiro Morai. Yeah, yeah, he's so damn good. And he's worked on Atlanta and, and music videos and stuff. So anyways, check it out. Uh, I think it's beautiful and intense. And it just might be, you know, you have to be in the right mood for it. All right, cool. All right, Let's cool. talk about video games now. Let's talk about video games. Nice. All right, bunch of stuff on deck today. Kind of a mix of things. I was doing a little cleanup after the Game of the Year show. It's going to be a little... little smorgasbord of stuff carlos let's kick it off with you uh tunnel of doom i had my eye on this it is a roguelike and so i was kind of surprised to see you bring this to the show a uh, little top down uh roguelike with a lady i i've played it myself but i'm gonna let you lead off why don't you tell us about tunnel of doom well just this is a quick one too because i didn't play it too long um but i do have some info about it and i don't know if it's game pass or if we got a code but i think that's why i tried i it. think we must have got a code it okay a code uh, either way, I was pretty excited because I do like the graphics. It's that simple pixel uh, style graphics. Think uh, what's it, what's it called? Spelunky style. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. but it's like top down, three quarters view, uh, binding of binding of Isaac style, uh, dungeony. Very much so. Yeah. Yeah, dungeony kind of crawler in that way. The roguelike element uh, is definitely part of it, but the other part of it is the tower defense, which I thought would be right up your alley. I'm curious to see what you thought about it, but. Basically, what you do is you are go down into these mines, and there's light story elements because basically you're trying to figure out what happened down there. And there's monsters and creepy stuff down these in these mines, and there's a bunch of dead people, and you're like trying to figure out what happened. And you get these like small missions, and there's like shops down there as well, so you can like find a shopkeeper and, and buy stuff. But what the main hook of the game is, you literally go through like the old Legend of Zelda type rooms. Right. Room by room. Room yeah. by room. Uh-huh. And you have your little map, you know, which I did like that part. And then in each room, it might just be an explore room where you're kind of like gathering resources because uh, that's also part of this game. Like uh, busting apart, you know, wood blocks and stuff to get wood and, and smashing glasses to get glass. And then you take all those resources and in certain rooms, it's a battle room and you're going to fight monsters, which come in waves, of course. And you get time to prepare and then like set up that room with traps and, you know, walls and stuff. So that's the main hook of the game. But it's pretty damn addictive. Also, it being a roguelike, I expected to die a ton. And I didn't because I think, you know, not just a straight action roguelike. It's like you get to stop for a minute. You know, like I said, how we love Crown Trick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can like kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah, you can like plan out like what's going to happen because before the monsters get there. Um, although one of the things I fucked up is I didn't know those holes in the beginning had monsters coming out of them. Oh, the, yeah, that's right. yeah, that's right. Uh-huh. And I thought I could like board them up, but no, no, no. Monsters came out of the holes and I was like, oh, fuck, all my walls are useless. <laughs> um, but yeah, I really kind of enjoyed it. Like I didn't die and I think I just stopped it because I ran out of time. Like, I had to do something else. Yeah. And they have a save button. So unlike, what's that fucking game that we got uh, mad at? Returnal. Returnal, yeah. <laughs> a fucking save button, Returnal. Yes, I know. You know, and it was like save and exit. I was like, okay, I will. Wait. It's not hard. No. People do it all the time. Saving is a thing. Yeah. And then, by the way, yeah, like the, the, the long story short is I had a good time with this, you know, because it was kind of fun to do those things. And then I could save it and I came back to it. So, and oh, I played it a few times now. Excellent. Excellent. Well, I'm, uh, I'm glad to hear that. I put a little bit of time into it as well. I thought the graphics are really appealing in that kind of old school 16 bit sort of way. 
um, that was really what caught my attention. And of course, roguelike. I mean, I play all the roguelikes. We all know this. Um, it's really interesting, and I, I, I feel like I should like it more than I do, but I ended up not really caring for it that much. Hmm. Um, I think where it kind of fell down for me is, I think it just didn't ramp up the right way for me. I, to be honest, it is interesting because you are um, having like a quiet period where you're exploring, picking up resources, looking at dead bodies and stuff. And I like that it goes back and forth. Like you're not constantly doing everything real time. I think that's cool. And then you can trigger a battle whenever you feel ready. So like, like you said, you get into a room, it's a battle room. You set up your defenses. You have like little gun turrets you can buy. You can set those up. You can set up walls. You can kind of channel enemies around the room, which is kind of a cool idea, but like something about it just didn't pop for me. I felt like it was like a little bit more work than I wanted it to be. Hmm. Like it took a little bit too long to set up the walls and I didn't really want to collect resources in order to have enough resources to build walls. Like I think it would have been kind of cool. And I mean, maybe this would have worked, maybe not, but rather than collecting resources, breaking barrels for wood and breaking rocks for stone, maybe just like in every room, you've got five walls. So deal with it. Like put those five wherever you want to put them. And that way it kind of just makes it go quicker or, you know, or maybe like your gun turret would come back because what happens is it costs resources. I bought a gun turret, put it in the wrong place because I wasn't exactly sure how the game worked. Gun turret got destroyed. And then I didn't have any more gun turret for like the entire rest of the level because I couldn't, uh, I didn't have enough money to get back to the shop and stuff. I'm like, okay, well, this is a drag now. Well, also, wait, to that point though, real quick, I I, like cleaned out every room. Mm -hmm. And if you do that, you have like ample resources. I mean, the gun turret is the one specific thing you need like a bunch of different parts for. But other than that, like I always had like so much glass and so much wood. So I mean, so maybe that's the thing, right? Because I wasn't really too keen on like, I didn't want to Hoover every single room because I'm like, that's not the fun part for me. Like, I mean, I picked up resources. I'm I'm not I'm not blaming the game because I refuse to play the game how it is meant to be played. I mean, I don't I don't mean to say that, but I just like that wasn't the fun for me of like doing a little battle, hoover every single thing up in the room, hope I had enough resources. I mean, it, it felt like a little bit slow for me, like it just wasn't that wasn't where the fun was. And on top of that, um, I don't know if it's randomly generated or not, but the very first level I got to past the tutorial was like enormous. I was like, there's like 50 rooms here like it. It was honestly kind of overwhelming, and I wish that they had um, started me off in something smaller so that I could get, like, a good feeling of victory and feel like I knew what I was doing. Hmm. You know, it's a good feeling to get to the end of the level and be like, all right, cool, I did level one. That felt pretty good. I'm ready for level two. But I got to, like, the first real level, and I'm like, holy shit, this thing is enormous, and there's so many different ways to go, and there's so many rooms. It just felt, like, really overwhelming, and that combined with the slow pace of play, which I was already kind of, like, iffy on. I was like, uh, I don't know. This feels like it kind of feels like a lot of work. Like I just didn't, it didn't click with me. Although I do like the concept of what it's doing. Yeah, I thought you would like it more. That's interesting. I think it was because of maybe the resource management stuff. Because I, I love you know even like Zelda and old school games where I would just hit every bush, and that's just like my style, like hitting things and getting things. Yeah. Oh, hitting things and getting things. Write that down. That's just a like good real life. podcast yeah. name. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, I enjoyed that stuff. And so I always had like a bunch of resources. Also my map, my first map was pretty short or small. So maybe it is random. I mean, maybe so. I, I could not believe how big the map was. It, it really blew me away. Like it was way too big. Wow. Like, this is, this All is right. Nuts, so. Anyways, I still think it's a suggestion though, or a uh, recommend for me. I, you know, I, I think it's interesting. I bet with a couple patches and a little bit of tweaking, it would be pretty cool. I really like the concept. Um, I, I the graphics look great. It just, didn't quite land perfectly, but I feel like there's some good stuff there. So maybe it's still worth uh, checking out for people who want some uh, a little a, ra- a roguelike that is not exactly like the other roguelikes we've gotten. Lately. 
Right, which is on my favorite kind. There we go. All right, Carlos. Now, uh, we're going to talk to you again about a little game called For the King. Now, funny story. I've bought this game, I feel like, at least four times. Oh, really? How many times have I played it? Literally never. So I keep seeing it on sale, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I keep meaning to buy that game. And at first, it's like PS4 or whatever. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going to play this. And then I'm like, oh, wait, it's on the Switch. I'm going to grab it there. And then I buy it there. And then it's like, well, I'm not really playing my Switch this week. I'm on the PS5. Maybe I should buy it there. And like, what? I, like, I've bought it so many times that I, I feel like I own it literally every place it's possible to own it. I probably even have it on PC. It wouldn't surprise me. I have never played it. So I'm very interested to hear what you think of For the King. Wow, this is going to be really fun for you and the family because it, it literally has, it's one to three players. Okay. Um, and I, you can do just two players because that's how I played it with Lelena. Okay. Uh, my friend and friend of the show. And so she convinced me. Um, I've been doing a little bit of multiplayer gaming with her because I don't ever do it. Um, right. But we've been doing this thing where I use the voice chat and I'm like, I'm using the voice chat like the youngins. Um, <laughs> and I get my headphones on and my PlayStation headphones are really good for the mic. It, it works really well. So we've been chatting in there and then she's like, let's play this because I've played it before. It's really fun. And it's really like um, a D&D campaign but also called decept or like a board game okay okay <clears throat> and you played called decept remember that game oh i love called decept yeah one of my favorites so it's got this huge board that's randomly generated with a bunch of different things on it like monsters and missions and you know uh encounters uh like places you can go towns you can castles you can buy stuff and again it's beautiful because it's like there's so much stuff and you know it's it's so random um I say it's like D&D &D because you each have your own turn. So again, it's one of three players. We did it, me and Lilena, one, just two people. And you take turns and you literally do dice roll style. And it just does it for you, kind of random, how many spaces you can move. And then you take your little character and move them. In the very beginning, by the way, you get very limited kind of character classes. But mm -hmm. it's more about like the weapons you pick up and the levels you go up and stuff. Okay. And so then you get to this different spot, say it's a monster. As long as uh, the other character, your friend, is near you, like close enough near you, they'll join you in that battle. But if okay. you go too far away and fight a monster, then it's just you. Gotcha. Right? Okay. Gotcha. And then also, by the way, that goes for the monsters too. So if you like, you can look at it and they'll show you what monsters you'll attack. If you attack a monster and the other monsters are close by, they'll join the fight too, um, which is very interesting. I've never seen that mechanic. So then you do the battle and you start level one or level zero. And, you know, it's like you get one health potion. So there's that kind of roguelike element and the fact that they're not going to help you. It's going to be super tough. But what's fun about it is you really do have this kind of like, it's like the long game. You're not rushing. This is a nice, like, board game experience okay. or D&D or &D experience because after you, you know, go to a certain square, it might be like, you found a magic pool. Do you want to put throw a coin in? And here's your chances. You know, you have luck and figure out the luck and see if you can do it or not. So there's that D&D &D element. Uh, there's dungeons. You can go in the dungeons with your, you know, people you're playing with and, and get some treasure. It's risk-reward because if you go down there and you die or, you know, you can't pull it off or you can go down there and get a great item. So, and then you, you know, get poison. You go rest at the, sh at the inn to get rid of your poison. And then there's, like, these main missions you have to do on the board. Like, go beat this one guy or go, you know, go to this one cave and get this one thing. So it is very fun. And I'm not a multiplayer person, but like two hours went by with me and her playing. And I was like, I guess we should stop for now. 
Um, but similar to a D&D campaign, it's that same thing where you just save it, you know, and go, we'll come back to this. So that was going to be my question. This all sounds pretty fun. I guess. So I guess specifically, is there so is this a board game in the sense of like every time you start up the game, it's just a brand new game and like you're picking a winner or is there like a story campaign? Are you trying to beat the game or is it just one of those games that you play just for the fun of playing it? No, no, there's there's a multitude of answers to that. There's many modes. So if you want to go to the main home screen, there's like, you know, five modes or something. And now there's so much DLC, you know, because it's like been out for a while. But like mm-hmm. the main story that I picked, like the first one is like a mission, like a campaign kind of thing. Um, and you just go as far as you can go. And then, you know, like if we like we're we didn't die at all, by the way, in this whole okay. like two hours. Um, and, you know, we, we had to be really strategize and you share potions with each other and you upgrade your stuff. So we did a good job. But at the same time, we're still working towards a main campaign goal. So that's, that's that's the answer, but there are other modes like, you know, beat the frost mountain or something. And I think they are handled more like just boards. Uh, but it's just, it's just so cool because it really does feel like, you know, you take turns and I was just like talking to her and, and she's like, I'm okay. I have to go do some things. And she's like in her inventory, you know, upgrading something, or she's like, I'm going to go to this town real quick. I'll be right back. I gotta go heal. And I'm like waiting for her because it's, you know, her turn. Mm-hmm. And then she ends her turn and now it's my turn. So it did feel like a D&D campaign mixed with the board game. Hmm. Interesting. And then the turn, is it turn-based combat, I assume? Is it kind of like yeah. JRPG yeah. style combat? Yeah. And the first thing I did, you know me, is I found the two-handed sword that I could of buy. Of course, doing the melee. And I yeah. just bashed. I, I bashed this one guy so hard his bones fell out. Nice. Nice. And I was like, that's pretty great. Is there a dodge roll? There's no dodge roll because it's turn-based. You really can't dodge. You can... I mean, you could dodge, but it's all, you know, based on stats. Sure, sure, sure. I can't recommend it enough. It's like, I mean, especially for you three. Oh, my goodness. I feel like you're going to love it. Well, I fucking bought it like five times. So all I got to do is <laughs> go upstairs and fire it up. Yeah. <laughs> I got it everywhere. So pick, that's good. Pick that the first great. one. Pick the first, like, thing you see on the menu, which is, like, for the king campaign or something. Okay. All right. We'll give that a shot. All right. Cool. Sounds excellent. I'm going to crack into that this week, I think. Cool. Uh, okay. Let me talk for a minute here about pawn of the dead which i am playing on the switch i haven't played it for very long um i just basically scratched the surface of it uh base so why this caught my attention is it's ostensibly a chess game and full disclosure i am terrible at chess i am i am just not very good at chess so i'm just going to say that up front uh, and that's on me i take full ownership of that but this is a story-based campaign game where you play a king and all the battles happen on a chessboard. I mean, apparently zombies show up in your kingdom. And, but all the pieces are like little people. So you have the king. He's got a sword and a crown. The queen, uh, you know, some buxom lady. She's got a sword also. Uh, your knight is like a dude that has a horse for a head. Uh, the, the, the rook is like actually shaped like a castle. So there's like cute little animations and you do battle. And the enemies are, uh, you know, obviously chess pieces as well. But they're also kind of like zombies. And so... You watch a little cutscene, and it's like, oh, the zombies have broken through. They're coming to the kingdom, and we got to fight them. And then it goes to like a series of chess-based battles uh, on this, these little boards. So, um, with that in mind, I thought it was really interesting. I wanted to see like what unique spins they could put on it. So, so far, I mean, it seems cool. There's different difficulty levels, which is great. I put it on the absolute easiest, like <laughs> nice. baby newborn infant level, and even that is kind of like a little bit too much for me because, again, terrible at chess. Um, 
but it's not a full chess match. It'll be like you start a match and it'll be like the king will start off in check because there's maybe like one zombie that's like in the square next to him. But then like your queen is nearby. You've maybe got like a rook and then there's like maybe three or four pawns nearby. And that's it's not a full board, right? You're not playing a full chess game every single time. Oh, it's that's like, smart. Yeah, it's just like they give you like little scenarios where it's like you're you're in check right here. How do you get out of check? And you've only got like five pieces on the board. So that is like way more my speed, which I think is great because, um, you know, chess can take a fucking long time. And I don't know that I want to play 85,000 matches of full chess, but it's like little scenarios, little skirmishes, which I think is great. Um, animation is kind of simple, basic, but it's good enough. Gets the job done. Uh, Cutscenes are pretty basic, but they get the job done. So, so far it's interesting. Um, apparently there is an aspect to the zombie, uh, pieces where they can infect other pieces. Um, I haven't really gotten into that too far yet because I've had some pretty good luck. I haven't lost one and I've won all the matches I've played so far. Thank you. Easy mode. Yeah. Um, but I do believe that if the zombies infect a good piece, it'll turn that piece evil. So that's an added wrinkle. That's not in normal chess. And also I do believe that some of the pieces move a little bit differently than I'm used to. Most of them were normal, but I think the pawns have extra mobility which was kind of throwing me at first. I mean, maybe I'm misunderstanding it, but it seemed to me like they were more mobile than I expected pawns to be based on my admittedly very limited knowledge of the game. Well, they can go two moves in the first time and they can go diagonal. To uh, attack. To yeah. attack, yeah. That's what I thought. But I felt like, and again, this might be on me, but I felt like in one of the matches the, the pawns were kind of moving backwards. Like they weren't limited to just move forward. And so that was kind of throwing me a little bit. Maybe that's a twist, you know, since this is not exactly a traditional chess game. Maybe they're taking some liberties with the rules, but I need to research that a little further. Um, so far, the only the only real knock against it that I have is that some of the load times can be pretty long, especially like if you're jumping between games. Like I was just recently playing um, some Dead Cells this morning, uh, and man, man, don't get me back on that bullshit because that's a whole other story. But you know, so jumping back and forth between games, and it takes forever to load up Pawn of the Dead, which is kind of a drag. I wonder um, if that's because- just on the Switch though. It's very possible. I'm sure it is on the Switch. It's probably yeah. not optimized. Yeah. Um, so that's really the only knock against it. Uh, if you don't mind the long load times or if you like start the load, get up, make a cup of coffee and come back, you can avoid the load or whatever. That's really the, the only problem. But so far, it's interesting. I'm going to keep doing uh, a few more levels. I do a couple levels a night. It's a good uh, game to play right before you go to bed, which everybody knows is what I love to do. And it's it's interesting and different and small and contained and 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 uh, it's fitting the bill right now. So I think it's pretty cool. I, I need to explore more, though. And I, and I was going to say, um, it would be really interesting to see what that infection does because not many of these chess-type games uh, or chess variations like change the rules that way. Right, exactly. And I exactly. like that. You know, I kind of like that because it seems like it's mixing um, a turn-based game, strategy game, you know, mixed with chess. So it'd be interesting to see what that does. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I'm not much for chess at all. I don't like, like you said, like there's a lot of games out there where they will make the pieces have animation, but it's still just traditional chess which i don't think is interesting enough so i think this one by changing things up is definitely a little more juicy and a little more interesting so i'll uh i'll keep putting some time into it and we'll see where it goes but so far it's pretty neat two more things before we leave this topic because you brought it up and now i got a tangent one all right pawns cannot move backwards i just looked that up okay secondly this brings me to a memory uh battle chess because i'm an old person battle chess i played uh, on the pc or or converse 64 i think it was on pc actually and Battle Chess, the original, which is basically this is based on, which is where it takes all the pieces and makes them people, uh, the original was, it blew my mind as a kid. Because to see these little characters have animations was amazing. And I think I'm right. 
at that when you get to the king or some some one of the pieces had a gun <laughs> and like shot one of the other pieces with a freaking gun and it was still like the chess move you know what i mean right but it's right, like right. what they do when they did the move when you take the piece was a, a cool piece like uh i think the rook was a monster and it like ate another piece or something and again early early graphics days it like blew me away sure i was like sure. i remember Whoa. Chess. yeah for sure yeah for sure so anyways that's just a memory that i was like that that brings back memories well along the same lines one of my uh a good um game in the same bucket is archon did you ever play archon i love archon how have we never talked about on the show oh my god so that is also a very chess-like game but the twist being you have monsters instead of pieces and the, the twist on top of the twist is that when you actually capture a piece you don't just capture them like you do a full-on battle so like if you uh you know no piece automatically gets the other one dead like you you might have a dragon you might have a soldier you might have a troll or something you go to fight this other monster and like you got to actually like do the fight like do the fight and if you win then you take, you know, you sweep the board, you take all their pieces. I thought that was like the most brilliant thing ever. I'm like, I love this game. I wish somebody would make an updated version of Archon, man. They should. I'm crazy, uh, crazy brain uh, that we haven't mentioned on the show before. Um, you Sorry, you just threw me for a loop. I'm getting all these memories coming back. So they made Archon 2. It was published by EA back in the day. Um, one of my favorite games of all time. I know I say that a lot, but I have to put that up there in the top five or something because it is that beautiful mix of like strategy and chess and then when you get to the spot you have to do the actual you know active combat actual gameplay yes. and if you're like a little gnome you move slow and you're going against a really fast dragon you're like screwed you know uh, literally as we're talking i'm getting like smells coming back to me because i like <laughs> are you play... having a stroke are you okay no no a good smells like you know <laughs> like a food being cooked and like and like a fireplace or something i play this with my cousin a lot um and yeah, it just blew my mind because it was so great. And all the different characters on the board, yeah, like it handled differently when they got to the, you know, combat section. Yeah, so rad, dude. The, what a great fucking game. Like, I just I just love that game so much. I haven't thought about it in years. And I wow. would love to see somebody take that same concept. Just take the same fucking concept. Just give it some next-gen graphics. You know, get, put some physics in there. That'd be a fucking baller-ass game, dude. We're going to, after this show, I'm going to look up games like Archon. All, all right, right, moving on. Moving on. So that was Pawn of the Dead playing it on Switch. Uh Record of Lodos War. Um, I, I gotta be honest, dude. I've heard this name forever and ever. It's been like an anime for a million years. I've never seen it. I don't know anything about it, but I've heard it. Uh, and now I guess I didn't even realize there was even a game. So I have no idea what this is, what it's about. Uh, I have like basically one ounce of Lodos War knowledge and, and that's it. So tell us about Record of Lodos War. I will give you some more knowledge. Uh, first off, it's an anime and a manga and, you know, all those Probably a t-shirt, maybe a sandwich. Yeah, entertainment items. Uh, when I was a kid growing up, it was, to me, it was a TurboGrafx game. So okay. there's a strategy RPG uh, called Record of Lodos War and probably some other subtitle afterward. And I couldn't afford it or something or it was on CD or something. I, di I didn't never played it, but I saw it like in the store and I was like, ah, I wish I could play that game. Um, hey, it's like present day. <laughs> I have no money. I'm like looking at games in the digital store. Oh, I wish I could buy that game. Anyways, and then there's a SNES game and a Dreamcast version. Wow. Uh, okay. So there was a lot of versions of that type of game, which is more of a strategy uh, RPG. And now this came out of nowhere. Uh, you're gonna look it up. I forgot the developer. I feel bad. All right, look it up right now. Totally different developer. Totally different style. It's a Castlevania Metroidvania action game. 
So two D, two D, a bunch what of is, different rooms. Is there a subtitle? Because there's like forty five million games with the same title. What is the subtitle? Just do record or load elsewhere. Game Pass. Game it's Pass. On Game Pass right now. Oh, okay. Game Pass. And that's why I'm playing it. It's free for me. Um, who's a developer? Rec- Record of Lodos War, Deedlit in Wonder Labyrinth. Is that what we're talking yes, about? Yes, that one. Yep, that one. Jesus, what a title. By Put out by Playism. That's the publisher. I don't know. Who the, I'm looking at the developer. Okay. Keep anyway, talking. Keep any, talking. Anyways, oh, Team Ladybug. Team Ladybug, Ladybug is the developer. Wow. Okay. This might be their first game. I don't know. I never heard of them. But um, they did a great job. It's really, really fun. And unlike other Metroidvanias, which I lots of time despise, this one has ample saving points, okay? One, you can see the map at all times. So, you know, hit hit a pause button, you can see the map. I think some Metrovanias do that well, but this one does it great. You know, a really small map, you can see everywhere you've been. And I think that do, they do that well. And you're basically running around this these catacombs, uh, different castles, different locations, and there's save points all over the place. And guess what, Brad? What's that, Carlos? The save point heals you. Yay! Yay! Also, you have two different modes, and there might be more modes later on, but like of 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 battle. So basically, you may have like fire mode or like wind mode, and I'm guessing you get more modes later. But when you switch back and forth between different modes, if you're like powered up enough, and it'll make sense when you play it, I'm not going to try to explain it, it'll like refill some of your health just by okay. switching modes. Um, so there's a lot of ways to succeed and and I really like it. So basically you play as a woman who's kind of like amnesia, of course. Oh, Jesus. Is Um, her name Deedlit? Is that what they get the title from? That sounds right. Yeah, I think so. And the story is the thing that I am confused most about. Like there's, you meet characters, there's dialogue, but I just kept getting lost. So I feel like I need to like watch the anime to understand, but I really didn't understand what was going on with the story. It's really about the fun gameplay, which is just fighting monsters, uh, powering up your, your different moves. Uh, you do get new weapons, kind of like an RPG in that way, where you can find weapons as well as buy them in a shop, right? Just like that Zelda-ish kind of Tunnel of Doom thing. You know, this is not uh, three, quarter, three quarters viewed top down. It's 2D, but the same thing. You know, you go to a certain room, you find a shop. And then you also have a bow and arrow, and that's used for puzzles. So you can basically like shoot different pieces uh, to you know knock a door sure. down or something. And, <clears throat> and the extra arrows uh, bounce and ricochet. So there's like puzzles with that. I'm looking at screenshots. It looks a lot like something along the lines of like Symphony of the Night or something like that. Yes, exactly. Yes, exactly. Okay. But okay. I think it's easier in the fact that like the whole time I just felt powerful. Like I just get more and more empowered. And as you fight monsters, uh, like in a row, you kind of power up different levels of your weapons. Um, also, I guess, um, yes, yeah, the arrows? No, yeah, I was going to mention the remapping of buttons. So that's easy to do. And that's the first thing I did when I started the game. Because to me, you know, the jump button was in the wrong place. But uh, I applaud them for allowing you to change whatever button you want to change. That's excellent. Um, Every game developer should do that. Yes. So that made me feel good. So yeah, in general, it's very satisfying <clears throat> gameplay. I got a little confused on where to go, uh, but the map helped because there's a bunch of locked doors in the beginning and then you get to figure out how to open them. Um, was confused on the story, but overall, I just really had a good time. The only caveat or the only downside is the bosses are really hard. 
but okay. I didn't like die right away, and I think I just need to know the stupid pattern, you know, because uh, I did like I wasn't like just dead in one shot from a boss. It was more like I just really didn't know what the fuck to do as this serpent like just went around me all over the place. So I died in my first boss, but I feel like if I understand the pattern, I could beat it. I mean, pro tip for real life. Take it from me, Carlos. Uh, you never want a serpent to wrap around you. That's like that's bad. No, times. it's bad times usually, so especially yeah, a water yeah. serpent. That's, you know, five. Times that's even size. worse. Yeah, that's even worse. Yeah. I mean, it looks cool. The graphics look great. I don't know anything about this IP. But it's on Game Pass, so I guess yeah. I've got Game Pass. I can give it a shot and not really lose anything. So that's a, that's a nice nice little bonus there. It's just weird to me because, like you said, that name is synonymous with another old-school RPG and anime. And that's, oh, yeah. That's dude. what I was thinking when I first saw it. And then, no, it's basically Metroidvania, Castlevania. But I think, besides the bosses, it's much easier, which I, okay. I like because it means, like, you know, I'm not going to get stuck at, like, level three or something. Gotcha, gotcha. All right, cool. Record of Lodos War, Deedlit, and Wonder Labyrinth. Oh, yes. my God. We got to get the PR people working on better titles. Um, okay, cool. And that's on Game Pass. Excellent. Let me talk for a minute about Kiwi, K-E-Y-W-E. Sounds like K-I-W-I, which is a fruit, but also a fuzzy bird from New Zealand. And that is exactly who you play in this game. Uh, in Kiwi, you play a pair of Kiwi birds who are working in a, I don't know, a mail, mail room, like I guess a post office, like a rural, super rural post office where you're getting telegrams from people, you're delivering letters, you're getting packages, sending them out into wherever it is in New Zealand that they need to go. Um, and you're tiny, like you are just a small Kiwi bird. Kiwi birds are not very big. I wonder if they're almost the same size as the fruit. I don't know. If any of our listeners in New Zealand know, please let us know. Um, but basically, so like you go into these mail rooms and you're like, oh, I need to type out a telegram. And so what happens is there's a giant fucking typewriter and you are two little keyboard birds. You're supposed to play it with two people. So my wife and I are playing it. You can play it one player. You can either do one bird at a time and switch back and forth between them. Or if you think like you're Superman, you can do both birds at the same time. One bird mapped to each stick. If your brain oh, can handle that crazy. overload. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's real difficult. I definitely would recommend you play it with a friend. I've tried it in the one-player mode. It's pretty difficult. So anyway, um, my wife is a Kiwi. I'm a Kiwi. So you see this giant typewriter, and you're a teeny little bird, and you've got to run around and, like, butt-stump on the keys to type out a message. And so um, the game is broken up into a series of small mini-games. You've got the, the typewriter one. There's one where you are... I mean, and, and, and really, that's, like, the beauty of this game is, like, every level is, like, a spin on a variation of something that you just did. So, like, every time you go to a new level... There's like a tutorial for every single level because you're doing something new every single time. It's not just like the, the game doesn't just get faster or the words don't just get longer. It's like you're doing different things. So, for example, in the first level, you're typing out a letter on a typewriter. The next time you do this level, it'll be like the typewriter keys will move. So, like, mm. maybe the L will be on the left side, the E be on the right side. And then after like a minute, like they flip. And so you've got to like constantly scan the board for where the letters went to. And then like on the third time, it'll be like, some of those keys will be like electrified. So you can't touch the electrified key and you got to like type it out and then avoid the, the letter and the letters moving. And, you know, like it kind of gets like more and more complicated, but it's not just harder. Uh, there's a lot of other games where you're shipping packages and sometimes there are these little conveyor belts. You got to push the packages around and sometimes you got to put labels on them. And you're just trying to work all the machinery by being a tiny little Kiwi. And you got to work together in a lot of these, obviously. Um, for example, with the label machine, it looks like a crane. And so one key will have to do the 
uh, horizontal controls and the other key we will have to do the vertical controls. And so you're trying to like move this crane around and get the label on the package. And, you know, one person's like going too far to the left and one person's going too far to the to up or something, you know, so it's kind of that kind of hijinks that you do. Uh, graphics are super cute. Um, I think that the theming is really nice. I mean, being a Kiwi is really fun and interesting. And I think the idea of being a tiny little bird in this big post office is pretty cool. Uh, wife and I are about maybe three quarters of the way through it. And I really like it a lot, although I do feel like it does get kind of complicated. Um, learning something new every single level is kind of a lot. And so we kind of just doing like one one big chunk of levels per day because mm. I felt like we were both kind of getting kind of frustrated and burned out a little bit because um, it just it ramps up pretty quick. And I think the last level we did, I started to get that whole I don't want to play this game right now because it's making me mad because, you know, like sometimes when you play the two player game like uh you know, cook, serve, delicious, or uh, overcooked, other, overcooked, overcooked. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you know that kind of thing. Where like, if you're not in perfect harmony with your partner, like they're doing something and it's not quite what you're doing, and you're doing something that's not quite what they're doing, you know, I, you got to be judicious with that because I'm not looking to get into a fight with my wife. I don't want her to get mad at me either. Uh, and so like we're going in little small bits, um, but it is really interesting. I think it's really original. There's a lot of variety to it. And if you're looking for a two player game that you can really sink into and just like practice and get better and like really master the mechanics, I think it's got a lot to offer. So um, we kind of took a little break because I got kind of mad last time. Full disclosure, a little <laughs> bit of rage. Um, and that Kiwi was me. Rage. Not, Kiwi rage. Kiwi rage. Yeah, that was me. And that was not the wife. I, full, I fully own that. Um, so we're going to come back to it and keep playing. I would like to roll credits on it, but it's very cute, really fun and very different. It doesn't really seem like anything I've played lately. So it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah, you would feel like it would want you to like get good at the 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 solving of the puzzle or whatever you're doing, the mechanics, and then like just give you another board of that, you know. And then so you, you feel exactly like, yeah, you're still good at it. You know what I mean? You have hit on it exactly. That is a very astute observation, uh, dude. I salute you for that because that is exactly what I expected. But it's like once you get good at that one board the very next board is different. And so like, you've got to kind of like get good again, Yeah, which is, it's kind of a lot, dude. I mean, it's a lot to like to really constantly learn new mechanics and constantly like, um, you know, like, like just having the letters on the keys move is pretty disruptive already. Right. Cause we were kind of getting in a groove of like, okay, you get like R L S and N because they're on the left side and I'll get M P F and B cause they're on the right side. And then we kind of got a little rhythm going and did pretty well. And the next level, like, the keys are mixed up or like the keys are electrified or something. And it's like, Oh fuck. Like our system doesn't work anymore because there's constantly something new and getting back to feeling like you're a scrub at the beginning of every single level is kind of a lot. Yeah. So it's, it's challenging and interesting. It's definitely more difficult than I thought it was going to be, but I still like it. I think it's, it's definitely pretty fresh and cool. Cool. All right. That is Kiwi playing that on the Xbox, uh, Xbox X. Uh, Carlos, you talked last episode about going back to Biomutant, a, a kind of a third person RPG action sort of a game where you play a little fuzzy mammal of some kind um, with a lot of uh, mutations happening, different fur types and stuff, different abilities. You started it a while ago, and I don't know that you ever finished it. We kind of, I, I started it as well, too. We both kind of dropped off. You liked it more than I did. But you mentioned last episode you were going to come back to it. So I assume you came back to it. Yeah, I'm like all in now, like all in. Um, I'll tell you why. But first off, I was watching Station Eleven, like I mentioned earlier. And that is about a post-apocalyptic world. Uh, not necessarily dark and dreary, but um, just different. But, you know, with a lot of uh, greenery and it's not like a bombed out city. It's just like um, there's a lot of forest and regular nature around. But it is like way, way after bad stuff have happened. 
And that is what Biomutant is. So you know how I always talk about watching entertainment and then playing the game that's similar to it. Uh, it fits the bill for that, right? I like watch that show and I feel like I'm in this, you know, the world after a bunch of stuff has happened and yeah. then I go into the game and that's what Biomutant is. And I don't know if I mentioned this last time I first brought it up, but you play as a little critter. There's only like little critter anthropomorphized. Is that the word? You got it. Uh, like critters around. They look like kind of people-ish. Um, and there's no humans because humans are dumb. You know, no offense, humans. <laughs> no, they are dumb. Yeah. They are literally dumb. Well, we yes. can be collectively very easily. And they blew each other up and, you know, Fallout style. But this world in Biomutant, it's a mixture. Like there's radioactive zones, there's chemical zones, but there's also beautiful nature as well. And there's a lot of weird little monsters and your creatures and societies, like little clans of people around. And what I didn't mention, I don't think, I don't know if I did, is there's a lot of messages about global warming and things that we're doing stupid right now um, with chemicals and, you know, warfare. Uh, I just recently found this, like, blown out section where all these buildings are messed up and, and yet there's, like, you know, green overgrowth everywhere. And the narrator, which is annoying, and we talked about that last time, I just generally turn him off because they, the, the game, for some reason, does too much narration, I think. But Way too much narration, yeah. Every once in a while, he just comes in for like a, a special moment because I turn him off in general. But I like that he comes in sometimes. So like I go to this clearing, there's all these buildings that are just blown out. And, it, and the, the narrator goes like, I wonder what all the fuss was about. <laughs> like, why did these people have to like, you know, he, they bring it down to such simple terms. Like, why were they so greedy? Why did they want to fight each other so much, you know? And these yeah. little moments are so special. Because there's also weather patterns. So my little creature, action RPG, running through this world, finds a little scene, and this map is fucking massive. And and the scene just plays out as like a little thing, like I would love in an, any action RPG. Like, oh, here's a little convenience store, right? And the narrator says something about the convenience store. Oh, this is where they used to sell those little, you know, uh, what are they called? Um, gotcha balls, you know? Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And there's a little gotcha ball c- container there. And... You go in and you you re, you know resource um, scavenge everything, and that's really fun. And then maybe there's some monsters or some bad critters you got to fight. You level up, you upgrade your weapon, and then you go to the next little section. So the the sense of discoverability, if you really go into this game and don't just like we both noped out early, it really is incredible. And I think it's a very underappreciated game because once you get in there and you really have like leveled up and made a weapon that you really like, uh, it's it's pretty fucking special. Um, and also, just, I'm going to say a couple more things, but one, to not to belabor the point, but the messages they say in that about what us humans are doing is really important. Like, I don't know many other games that will take, you know, I don't want to say chances, but will really, really focus on, you know, the negative stuff that humans do. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Gosh, you know, this is reminding me, um, in terms of theming, um, oh man, I really wish I could remember what the name of this game was, but it came out as like a turn-based game, it was like an XCOM game, where like one guy was like a duck, and the other guy was like a boar, they were like mutants in a post-apocalypse, and you had huh. like XCOM combat, 
You know, is ringing a bell at all? No, um, no. Oh man, I, I, you know, I really liked it a lot, and it was really too difficult, so I nubbed out of it because it was just really unbalanced. But that that same theme was in that game, and gosh, I'm really feeling bad that I can't remember what it's called. Anybody listening, feel free to shoot me a tweet and let me know what that game is. Um, but it's like it had the same thing, like the the ruined world. You would discover like these these leftover burned out husks, and pe- they'd be like what is this thing? And what was this for? And why did they kill each other? And, yes. you know, they really got into a lot of like, they'd pick up these relics and they wouldn't know what they were like. They pick up like a boom box and they'd be like, Oh, what's this? And one guy's like, Oh yeah, I saw that. They put like bricks in it and it, it like talks <laughs> yeah. to God or something. Yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah, they, yeah. they have like half of the idea of what every item was or whatever. And they didn't really get it. And it was really interesting to see the world through that lens. I wish, I wish that game was like just one notch easier. Cause I totally would have finished it. I thought it was really great. They put out a DLC, where you play as a moose as well. And I just, I love the idea of being like this animal person in the post-apocalypse, but well, that's what this is. I know, but that's what this is. And it isn't hard. And as you level up, um, it, it's the combat's really fun. Like that's the other thing I was going to mention. The combat is insanely fun. I think you said something like you didn't like it, which I don't know. It's it didn't, it didn't click with me. Didn't okay. Click, didn't but click it me. is, I think it is, um, it's it, I, I, to me, it's very fun. And there's a lot of like, I mean, literally, I was fighting a monster the other day. I slid through the, his legs, went behind him, hit him in the head, did a double flip in slow motion, like Matrix, and then I shot him with my gun. It's just like some of those moves, are, especially later on, are just incredible. So it's really fun. It's not as hard as I don't think whatever game you're talking about. And, it was Mutant Year Zero. That's what it's called. Oh, I do remember that game. Yeah, Mutant Year Zero. So and that know, was difficult. You're right. Very difficult, yeah. yes. So this is easier. I highly recommend this game. I will say two more things about it. One, um, I think that, like you said, like um, it is really quaint to see people, like the creators will be like, hey, here's a TV, but they call it like a talkie box. You sure, know? And, exactly, exactly. Yeah, and I just love seeing the world through that lens. And then lastly, the only thing I'm missing, is, no, two bad things. There's only two negative things. One, the, the bosses are, there's like five main bosses. And, you know, they're all the style of, like, you've got to do certain things to beat a boss. Uh-huh. And I hate that, right? Like, the one I just, the first boss I fought, it was on water. And so I'm the melee character that runs and dodges and hits with a sword. So I immediately can't use my sword, right? Right, So right. I hate when developers do that. But to their credit, it's just the first half of the boss thing, you know? You have to blow him up enough to be, now he's going to go on land. And then once he got to land, I was like, fine, right? So I think the bosses are a little tricky with that way because I don't like the fact that they give it like gimmicks of how you have to beat them. And the only other thing I'll say is now, because I've been playing so many new games, uh, we could use a patch for like better graphic textures because it's awesome, really great lighting, and it looks great. But it's just like a really good PS4 game, you know, Mm, at this this point because they were working on it for so long. Um, yeah, it was quite a while in development. It was sure. really a long time ago. So again, not discrediting them, and I'm gonna like still tweet this to them and say how much I love it. But I, it would be great if they're gonna still work on it to just do one quick patch for like new consoles. That'd be incredible. Um, right. I can't yeah. speak highly enough of this. I, I know you know doubt, but I just think it's really special. And to the point that we always talk about in this podcast, it's really great messaging. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Interesting stuff. All right. That is Biomutant. I'm sure it probably was probably on sale during the holidays. I bet you could probably get it for a song. May even be on Game Pass. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I'm playing it on PlayStation. I bought it full price, motherfuckers. Full <laughs> price. 
All right, we'll check it out anyway. All right, uh, one last game to talk about, and then a little bonus at the end here. I want to talk for a minute about Warhammer 40K Battle Sector. Another Warhammer game. I'm going to ban yes. them from the podcast. Dude, I got to play all the Warhammer games. Oh I don't goodness. like playing actual Warhammer, but I love the world and the style and the concepts. I, I play literally every Warhammer game that comes I know, out. we talk about it on this show. Every single one. And you know, uh, as people know, Games Workshop, who are the, the license holders, they're real loosey-goosey. Like, if you got five bucks and a hunk of cheese, you can make a Warhammer game yourself. <laughs> they will let you. They will, they will hook awesome. you up. There's one in Dreams, I think. Oh, my God. I'm sure there is, dude. It's so, There's probably many but the, in Dreams. The downside of that is, like, half of the Warhammer games are total crap. Yep. Like, they don't have very good quality control, which I think is a shame. But I got to play them all because you never know which is the good one and which is the bad one, right? And they're about 50-50. Like, maybe... Maybe 60-40 with 60 being the bad games and 40 being the good ones. I am very happy to say Battle Sector is one of the good ones. I'm very thrilled. Uh, Top-down, turn-based strategy, kind of like a tactics game. It's not like XCOM in that you're doing like individual units and stuff like that. It's more about moving your army pieces around. Like you'll have a squad of like five riflemen. You'll have a squad of like three heavy gunners. You'll have like one scout vehicle. You know, it's very much a replication of what the tabletop game would be, but with a lot of the rules automated and a lot of things kind of just like shortcutted to play smoothly on a console, which is great. That's perfect. That's exactly what I want them to do. And they totally did it, which is wonderful. Um, There's not a ton of content in the game, which I think is probably the biggest complaint about it so far. You play as the, uh, you know, like the Imperial dudes, all the human guys in the giant armor. And you fight against the, oh, I forget what they're called. The guys that look like little alien one-offs. Like they look like the, uh, you know, the uh, xenomorph yeah. dudes. I'm not, you know, I'm not like super deep in the Warhammer 40k lore. Whatever those guys are called, it's you versus those guys for basically the entire campaign. I know a lot of people were hoping that some of the other races would be involved. Maybe it'll be DLC later. But so far the campaign I think is really good. They give you a good mix of scenarios. Um, like, you know, sometimes you'd be in a place with a lot of choke points. Sometimes you'd be in a wide open area. Sometimes you'd be really overwhelmed. You got to hold out for a couple rounds. So they got a good mission variety. Uh, all of the units kind of function differently. They all have their own little, you know, pluses and minuses. Um, I think the camera in general is mostly top down and it's it's zoomed out far enough so that you can't really see the detail of the characters. Although you can certainly zoom in really, really close if you want to, which is great. But it's not far up enough to get a good sense of the entire battlefield. And that's one thing that I wish I could do. I wish I could zoom out even further. Because sometimes I'll be like, okay, I'm over here. And I know there's some some bad dudes over here. And I can't zoom out quite far enough. And like the game will give you like a warning. They'll be like, oh, yeah, they're over here in the north. Or they're over here in the south. And I get it. But I need to know like more about where they are. So I wish I could scroll out a little bit. Zoom out. Excuse me. Zoom out a little bit further. But other than that, that's really my only complaint. Um, I think the, the units are great. Um, the strategy is really good, even on the, uh, I mean, there's, I think, three or four difficulty settings. And on normal, I was like, okay, whoa, I like, I need to, like, really pay attention here because I'm getting kind of rocked. That's no good. Um, I've had to renew a couple battles, um, but, but I respect that, right? Like, they're not, <clears throat> they're not just handing you victory. And I feel like if you pay attention and you learn the little ins and outs of your units, I think you're going to do pretty well. It probably helps a lot if you know Warhammer intimately. I don't know it that well, like the tabletop version, so I'm kind of learning as I go, but it's great. Like some of the dudes have little jetpacks. You can move them around. Some guys have like heavy gunners, like the monsters show up and just having these like really pitched battles with like these, like a ton of dudes on the screen. Uh, it's pretty good. I think it's really well done. It's not overcomplicated the way that some of these Warhammer games are. Graphics are good enough. 
the tactics are pretty good. Combat is designed pretty well. I mean, I feel like it's really hitting in all the sectors it really needs to. And I'm really glad because I do like to have a good Warhammer game. And I think I'm about maybe halfway through the campaign. And some of these battles can be pretty involved. Like I think, you know, like an hour, maybe hour and a half per Ooh. level is about what it's going. So if you literally like to like get in and like, you know, sink your teeth into like a big turn-based battle with a lot of dudes on the board, uh, this is pretty good. I love it. I mean, I wish um, that they would keep it going. I think the engine is really good. And if they could introduce new armies and new campaigns, that would be awesome. I would love to play this all the way through 2022 if there kept being more content. So dude, we'll see. Yeah. I have a news for you. I yeah. think you like Warhammer, the tabletop game. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think I, you I do don't, because as I'm looking at reviews, everyone's like, this is tabletop, uh, Warhammer tabletop game to a T. Like this is the best version of the actual tabletop game. So I, I think you're playing the tabletop game and you might be like a tabletop Warhammer person now. I mean, maybe, but like, number one, I'm too broke to be a Warhammer player because you got to buy all those miniatures. And all the miniatures. Terrible, yeah, yeah, Terrible yeah, yeah. painting miniatures. I don't have that. I don't have a room for that. I don't have a table. I don't even have a table. I don't have a table or a top. You don't have a don't table have or a top. To, no place to play this fucking game. So I think this is a good a good compromise, right? Like, I right. like the turn-based stuff, XCOM stuff. You know, this kind of everything is just really, like, strategic and in-depth. I dig it. I dig it a lot. So um you don't have to spend ten thousand dollars on building your army you don't have to paint the miniatures right but it's, it's just really... it's the most tabletop ass warhammer is what it's but in like. a good way I in feel a good like way they, yeah yeah i feel like i really want to emphasize that they have taken shortcuts where shortcuts needed to be taken like where it makes sense because it is a video game mm. because i really hate it when somebody's like we've ported the game to a video game console but it's like literally the exact same like nothing's automated or like none of the rules are explained like i don't need that right yeah. i want I want you guys to like take the heavy lifting off my shoulders and just let me play the game at its best form. And I feel like that's what they really do here too. There's also just, by the way, um, a story-based campaign. There's a lot of lore. If you like the lore, if you like the narrative, I mean, there is a story to, to get into. Um, I, the story doesn't really do a lot for me, whatever, but I do love the character design. I love the combat, the the turn-based stuff. So it's, I feel like it's really good. And it's also um, on Game Pass right now, as a matter of fact. So you can just oh, jump in and just check go. it out for yourself. Yeah, it's good stuff. I might check it out too. I didn't think I, I didn't know it was over there. So cool. Yep, it is there. It is on Game Pass. So that is Warhammer 40k Battle Sector. Happy to say it's one of the good ones. Um, all right, we are just about to wrap up the show, but I do want to just give a quick heads up. Uh, I forgot to mention this at the beginning of the show, but my son Whitaker is back with one of his miniature reviews. He is playing One Hand Clapping, which is an indie 2D platformer where you use your voice to do things in the game so like for example if you want to raise a platform you've got to sing hi and if you lower the platform you've got to sing low so uh i'm not a great singer i didn't want to play this myself <laughs> I, i'm surprised you just mini almost sang just now i know i feel really embarrassed about that i feel like uh i'm shaming myself a little bit right there no, my voice okay. is not great um but he was up for it so we're gonna have a really brief mini review for my son whitaker after the closing music so stay tuned for one hand clapping and to see what he thought of that. But otherwise, that is a show. That's wait, it. Wait, wait. Oh, what you got a surprise? I what always say wait at the end. Um, right. When we were talking about games like Archon, uh, yes. I Google searched while we were on the show. Uh, the th first thing that comes up is Dino Wars, which what? is a chess arcade hybrid in which the players take control of various dinosaurs, which clash on the chessboard in one-on-one -on -one fight sequences. And I've I never, have heard, never of heard of that. Yeah, never heard of it. Okay. So All look right. up that, and then when I went to uh, another web page, it just showed 
a ton of like strategy RPGs, which is not what we're talking about. We're no, talking about not the same thing. Chess with actually thing. getting onto the square and then fighting. So it seems like Archon was a very specific one, and then Dino Wars might be our only other shot. So God, whoever made Archon, I feel like somebody famous made it. I don't know. I don't have that in my memory banks right now. But whoever made that, I know they listen to our show and they need to go. Well, it's Electronic like, Arts published one. it, and it was uh, Freefall Associates was the original developer. Uh, I feel like I got to find out the specific team members because I feel like, and I could be wrong, I feel like somebody on that team went on to make something of a name for themselves, and I'm really blanking on it right Paul, now. I'll have to do some Paul research. Paul Reich uh, is CEO for Toys for Bob. He was part cool. of the Free Fall Associates. I don't know. I can look it up. Yeah, I don't know. We didn't do any research. Whatever. Anyway, uh, Archon. It's a badass game. Check it out. I know. You can uh, still get it, by the way, can't you? I think. Is it on Steam? I mean, I don't even know. I'm, I'm, I'm going to do the closing. Look it up on Steam real quick. I'll so as Carlos is researching whether you can play Archon or not, uh, hey, send us your questions. Send us your comments. Hit us up. SoVideoGamesPodcast at gmail.com. We are on Twitter at SoVideoGames. We're also on TikTok, so Video Games Podcast. But you can reach us individually. Carlos, are you done Googling? Yep. And also uh, the the TikTok, I swear, is coming back for our, our so Video Games Podcast. It's coming back this weekend. Also, uh, my TikTok is Carlos Rodella, R-O-D-E-L-A. And you can play Archon online in your browser at playold.games. So look that up. And you wow. can also do, you can play an NES version, but fuck that because that's not good. Um, and there is an Archon Classic on Steam I just found, which is only $10 and we're both buying it. All right, I'm gonna have to look into that. I'm no, no, no. We're both right buying it because then <laughs> you and I have never le- like played games together. I don't think so. So we would play this together. Like, I mean, we might. We would. I mean, I'm just gonna put it out there. We'll check it out. I'll look it up as soon as we get off this. We wrap this recording. I'll go check it out. Okay, it's called Archon Classic. It's on Steam. All right, there we go. Uh, so that was Carlos's information. As for me, it's uh, same as usual: Twitter, Instagram. It's my name: B R A D G A L L A W A Y. All A's, no O's. And that is going to do it for episode 265. Thank you once again for joining us here on the Soviet Games Podcast. And we will see you again next Friday. But in the meantime, this is Bye from Brad. And Bye from Carlos. Seriously, that's it. All right. If you are still listening, then we have just completed the closing music. And you are here for my son Whitaker's micro-review of a new 2D indie platformer that came out recently called One Hand Clapping. Uh, So, uh, as we have done in the past, my son Whitaker, age 12, is with me right now. Whitaker, how are you, sir? Good. How about you? I'm doing just fine. Thank you very much. Uh, By the way, uh, it's almost New Year, and I have to ask you, how was your Christmas? Oh, it was good. Yeah, pretty good. Would you get anything that you particularly liked? Oh, yeah. I got a couple of He-Man things. Definitely like that. Cool, cool. I did also. Ha 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 ha. Uh, all right, enough of that. Uh, enough of that Christmas talk. Let's talk about games. That's what people are here for. So I gave you a code for one hand clapping. I was not going to play this myself because I don't have a great singing voice, as people in the podcast just heard. Uh, but it did seem kind of interesting, and you were kind of on fire about it, right? Yeah. What uh, got you interested in it? Why were you interested to play this? Well, I mean, it just looked like a fun game using the microphone. To do little, like, they give you little things to do, and you gotta solve puzzles with the microphone. Okay, so I mentioned this just a few minutes ago. I mean, it was last night for me, but for people listening, it was just a few minutes ago. So in one hand clapping, basically it's a platformer, like I just said, 2D, where 
you're this little character and you have to get from left to right and there's these platforms um but in order i mean you're jumping right but also in addition to jumping you have to use your literal voice so you have what a headset with a microphone and it's connected to where are you playing this on what platform uh xbox series s okay so you've got the headset the microphone and like describe kind of how it goes or tell us what you're doing in this game okay so basically you can do actual singing or you can just hum that one works too and it requires sensitivity to actually catch your voice because you have to be in a room where there's no sound because otherwise the background sounds will affect your game Oh, yeah, because you were mentioning that you were playing this game, and our next-door neighbor has a lot of really big trucks, and when he started up his truck, it was ruining your game because, because what, the rumble from the engine was messing up your singing? Yes, it continued the singing, and I couldn't actually do the singing because it kept messing up the platforms and the puzzles. So that game has a sensitivity adjustment setting, right? So, like, you can make the microphone pick up more or less sound. Did you feel like that worked really well, or did it not work too well? Oh, yeah, it did. It uh, worked pretty well, as long as there's nothing else going on in the background. Okay. So I was watching you play this for a while. I mean, it looked pretty okay, but um, the game looked, I mean, I guess kind of basic, I suppose. But then again, I, you probably wouldn't want it to be too, too complicated if you're using your voice for everything. How did you feel like the quality of the gameplay was? I mean, I watched you like singing high and platforms went up and then I saw you singing low and platforms went down. I mean, was that kind of the gist or what else were you doing in this game? I mean, yeah, you're the first chapter is basically just doing these very small puzzles, but the second chapter, the second chapter is very complicated. Okay. Like what is complicated about it? Okay. So there's a second AI that you have to match notes with and the notes that they make you do are very, very high. Oh, so you, so they make you do a duet with an AI character? Yeah. And then, so like you just follow them through the level or something? Or how does that work? Yeah, they follow you through the level and you gotta keep doing the music puzzles. But some of the notes that they make you do for platforms are just kind of, are just too much really. Really? Okay. So, I mean, I'm not a singer. You're not really a singer. I guess my first question is, do you feel like... You were doing okay at this game, even though you're not really, you know, you're obviously not a professional singer. And I don't think we really sing a lot in this family. We're not like a musical family that way. So was it, were you doing okay or were you struggling with it? Like in terms of, of vocals or how was it for you? I mean, I actually had to stop playing the game because it was hurting my vocal cords. Oh, really? Because they made you do really high notes and sometimes really long notes. Because at one point, you had to do a platform with one continuous note on five platforms. And so you just had to maintain one note all the way through? Which, require, which required um, a different note to activate the pad. So you had to change your notes, which takes longer. So you can't hold the whole note while having the platform, too. Gotcha. Okay, well, this is this sounds pretty interesting, although maybe maybe not the right game for my voice box or yours but did you feel like the instructions and the tutorial was okay like were you did they they walk you through it pretty well or how did you feel yeah it was okay it wasn't terrible but it wasn't super great either okay well so i guess overall um i think listeners probably have the gist of what this game is about um you know in terms of like you know graphics and the stuff you were doing i mean was it pretty fun were you having like a good time or like how did you feel about it overall yeah just a pretty standard indie game is that good or bad? Yeah, that's good. Okay. Do you think that you are going to keep playing this, and would you recommend this to other people, or where did you end up landing on it? Uh, no, I'm probably not going to keep playing this, because it's, it's getting very, very hard. So, 
hard in the sense that it's difficult or hard on your voice? Hard on both. Hard on both. Okay. So overall, um, if you had to give it a score between one and 10 with one being terrible, five being completely average and fine and 10 being like mind blowing amazing, what score would you give one hand clapping? Six and six and a half. 6.5. All right, great. Well, Witty, thank you so much for coming down uh, all the way here in the basement to record here at the Game Critics West studio. We really appreciate having you on, and we'll get you on again some point in the future. All right. Thanks for having me. All right. See you later. See you upstairs. See you later.